Welcome to Decoding Digital Content Marketing. The IAB essay podcast that encourages and develops content marketing in South Africa as a unique, independent discipline and an effective tool for brands to communicate with their audiences. Have you ever thought about why you find an affinity to certain products and not others? Inexplicably so at times. Uh, Personally, I think of Ben & Jerry's, which is an ice cream I've always loved, but I've actually never tasted it. But we're going to go into more detail about this later on. Welcome to the IAB Insight Series on Content Marketing. I'm your host, Zodra Kumalo-Valentine. And I'm joined by Nukolo Mafu from Brand Studio 24 and Pride Monatlala from Archetypal. We're talking about purpose-driven content marketing. What is it? What's the point? How to get it right? And of course, the business rationale for it. So there's this great piece of work by Lisa McLeod. She's a sales leadership consultant and a prolific author and speaker. And she's written much about what she calls noble purpose, a customer-driven philosophy in business that accelerates revenue growth, increases competitive differentiation, and ignites emotional engagement. So let's take a listen. Salespeople who sell with a sense of noble purpose, who truly want to make a difference in the lives of their customers, outsell salespeople who were just focused on sales quotas and targets. Organizations that have a declarative noble purpose, who make improving their customers' lives the centerpiece of their strategy, who have a customer-focused purpose, outperform organizations that have a profit-focused purpose. So we've got to get really clear on this. Purpose drives profit. It's not the other way around. But you see, we get mixed up sometimes about this. You know, I work with a lot of executives who are very bottom line oriented, and I do this exercise with them to show them just how emotionally engaging a sense of purpose is. Think about this. As I talk you through this, think, imagine what the people in your company would say to this. So the first thing I ask them is I say, turn to the person next to you and describe what you do for a living. And we tend to get answers like, I'm the CFO, I'm the CEO, I run a software company. We get these role-specific answers. But then I ask them, I say, now, I want you to turn to that same person and I want you to describe a time when you made a difference to someone at work. And the whole conversation changes. Their faces light up. They describe a time when they went the extra mile for a customer. They describe a time when they stayed late to help a colleague. The whole room lights up because in that moment, they are describing a time when they mattered, when they made a difference. In that moment, they are absolutely, passionately engaged in something bigger than themselves. Now that's power all brands are after. 
And we know achieving this or, you know, distilling campaigns, language, messaging, and conveying that to your audiences and your customers is not an overnight thing, but it's underpinned by this. You need to have a clear purpose, one that's understood by each and every member of your business from top to bottom. That's how you create power. But let's get more into this. Not call on pride. Welcome. Would you like to introduce yourselves and tell us what you do? Sure, I'll kick off. Thank you, Zodo, for having me. Um, my name is Nokolo Rafa, as you mentioned, and I work as the creative lead at 24.com's in-house content agency, Brand Studio. So here we work on creating incredible creative solutions for clients' needs, but really underpinned with a journalistic approach, which we can get into a little later. But just for a little bit of background, before then, I worked a little bit in magazines as a deputy editor of Cosmopolitan and Huffington Post and News24, where I had a stint there too. Zodwa, thank you for having me today. My name is Pride. I founded Archetypal to look after purposeful strategy for business and personal branding. I also work as chief consumer officer at a fintech company, LifeCheck. I subsequently also work as a purpose coach um, for the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Historically, I've worked through corporate in marketing and working through amazing brands such as NetBank and through SAB Miller, um, as well as Cadbury and the Fushini Group. And having worked on the client side, having worked on the agency side, and having been a consumer of purposeful brands, I'm looking forward to today talking as a consumer and referencing some of the consumer points of what makes such brands so attractive and maybe what takes us away when brands don't take up purpose as the way to do content marketing. Okay, great. So you are perfect guests to talk about this hot topic right now. Well, actually, it's been, it's been quite hot for a while, especially against the backdrop of covid Black Lives Matter, climbing unemployment rates, especially in South Africa, heightened awareness around mental illness. So whether you're a big brand or a small company, you actually can't ignore the current context. We live in a world driven by people who are feeling, going through the most, as they like to say on social media, and um, sharing now more than ever, I think, thanks to social networks. And the reality is that those realities are not necessarily shared by an international brand, for instance, but they are your customers and they're holding brands accountable. In other words, you can't be all about making money. You know, the audiences, customers expect much more from companies that they buy from. Personally, uh, my background is purely editorial. I work at Arena Holdings, specifically on native content, we publish brands such as Sunday Times, Sowetan Live, Financial Mail, Business Day, Herald, Dispatch. So I invited Pride and Notkola because of their experiences. You've worked on, you know, executive teams as business coaches, client facing, business facing. So, you know, I invite you to share some of your experiences and I'd like to start with challenges. So if we drop this terminology, purpose-driven content, which I feel is kind of limiting, and talk more about authentic conversations about issues that affect customers and, and in effect the real world, what are some of the kind of challenges or resistances from brands around having these authentic conversations? 
making these realities, these lived issues, part of their messaging. First things I will mention is when brands face challenges when it comes to purpose, the first thing that I know every marketer talks about is the question they get asked, which is, will it bring revenue? Will it bring revenue today? Will it bring revenue tomorrow? When will we see the return on this? So the conversation that purpose is almost as brand building as everything else that you do, but might not actually bring you what you're looking for immediately. It's a relationship you're building. It's a, it's a context you're building with your consumer and your audience. It's a conversation you're having with your audience. So it's almost as if to say, will it bring revenue tomorrow? It's such a strange question, especially if we've just met. You know, if you think of it in a relationship context or we're getting to know each other. But I know that's definitely the first place. The second one that stands out is a lot of brands are scared. Um, it's a big ask for me to stand for diversity as a brand. Can I hold it up? Can I show up as a diverse brand? Can I show up in how we hire? Can, can we show what our board looks like? Can we show what our leadership looks like um, when it comes to diversity and inclusion? Do we even understand it? Another example is climate change. You know, can we really claim that we are going to solve for climate change? The ask is big. The, the purpose ask feels huge. And so a lot of um, leaders will ask, you know, can we stand behind it? And if it's too big, will it not derail the focus from our core business? So somewhere between the immediate pressure of revenue and the immediate pressure of, of growth and profit, as well as just how big the task is and can we achieve it, brand communicators are stuck trying to figure out how do we actually bring purpose to our communication, to our content, and especially in conversations, channels like digital media. How do we start the conversation? Are we even allowed to start the conversation? And then the last one is, um, I think that stands to be said where how many people are even approving this piece of work and what are their views? Do they even agree? So are we all in agreement? This is what the brand should stand for. I think we all fall victim of um, thinking of ourselves as, yes, we are consumers, but in this case, we're building a brand. Um, will our audience resonate with it? And sometimes the views around the table may not be the views of the people we're, we're trying to reach out to or connect with. You know, if you're trying to speak to women and there's no women in your team, um, the ability to translate that becomes so difficult. So definitely the revenue conversation, definitely um, can we take it on as a challenge? And then most importantly, do we even have agreement or we have the diverse team that can resonate with what we're trying to build. Those are the top three that stand out for me. Yeah. I think just to build on what Pride has said is that I think a lot of the anxiety around starting this is that it really does need you to do a lot of internal work as the brand. You have to unravel everything from the way in which you work, the way in which you look at your content, and particularly put your audience first and really sink into data in a way that is quite laborious, I think, for people, like you're saying, are very focused on let's get revenue and how will this make sense tomorrow. So I think the big thing is that there's the fear to be on the wrong side of that argument and to polarize an audience that you have. But I think if the internal work is done and you really unpack what that purpose is and commit to a consistent, sustainable relationship with your audience in having that conversation, building that purpose can really be a fruitful thing. But I think 
in the rat race that we're in, there's often an anxiety to jump into something that could possibly polarize your audience because if you stand for something that not everyone agrees with, but also that it's quite revealing and that if you have not done the work or if it's not reflected in every sphere of not only your employees, how it is that you produce work, that you'll be caught out. And I think that's where internal work is so important when committing to something like this. So we know that it's not easy to put yourself out there Um, and there is a way to do it. And I guess what we would be best placed to do is to discuss all of those sides. What are the things that you need to consider as a brand? How do you consider how to show up and as a result create loyalty and returns? You know, Zodwa, I'm also thinking sometimes brands are not scared but it's a matter of prioritization because they have such limited resources as well. And I think it would be good for us not to miss that not every brand has, you know, masses and masses of teams to look after their digital content um, and to do social listening, which is a needed way of um, keeping up with conversations on social media. So sometimes it's a matter of prioritizing your resources as well, knowing that you don't have enough resources and the perception that perhaps if those resources are all focused on sale, sales-driven initiatives that, that might bring you a return that you're looking for. But I think there's an opportunity for brands to find the joy in, in winning with purpose because it can also make your work and life easier, which we'll touch on. Yeah, I think Pad mentions a very good point is that I find that, you know, a lot of clients can often be nervous about the fact that they need to maybe move reliable revenue mechanisms that they have in their workflow. So having to move things and take risks is often the issue that you find. But I think, you know, once you re-strategize your structure in terms of figuring out where it is that you want to go, we all know that shopping has become a political statement now. People are so aware of where their money goes and how that money is spent that if that kind of intent is not established early enough in the brand, it's often that you will lose that. Right. So we are talking about a reluctance. We're also talking about fear um, in terms of polarizing certain audiences. Pride, you mentioned lack of resources. Also, perhaps, you know, lack of representation within teams in terms of diversity. We can maybe um, pick up on that a bit later and discuss how to begin, how to start to unpack. But I guess maybe we should look at content marketing campaigns and messaging that actually have proved to be quite successful. Because I think through great examples, you can find great inspiration and, and kind of use those learnings within your own Uh, marketing strategies and content strategies. And I guess it would be quite easy to think of the negative ones. And immediately I think of that Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner where she seems to stop a riot (laughs) by offering uh, a policeman an ice-cold Pepsi. (laughs) Um, That one will go down in the books. And I think it it wasn't even um, meant for a South African audience, but because of its virality, Everyone picked up on it and it just became a a hot topic. But what I'd like to do is maybe bring it back to a South African audience. 
for me, I mentioned earlier about Ben and Jerry's and my affinity to it. Now, Ben and Jerry's is not a South African brand. We don't. I don't even think it's available in this country. But for some reason, I have always wanted to taste this ice cream, <laughs> and it was always the ideal ice cream. It's everything from the messaging to the packaging, the logo design. It just was so um, appealing for me, and I couldn't put my finger on why that was. I mean, obviously, it looks delicious. It's, it's ice cream. It's an easy sell, etc. But it was only when I was watching a discussion with Kathy Lunt, who's the content head at Woolworths, and she made reference to this ice cream brand. And she uh, mentioned that the brand has always been committed to talking about issues such as, you know, racism and, you know, gender disparity. And she actually pointed out that it's not something that they always pick up on when it's a trending topic, but it's basically become part of their communication. They have always supported good and worthy causes. And I wondered if there are local examples of brands getting content right in the South African arena. Yeah, I mean, I think for my example, it's interesting. There's quite a few brands that have gotten it right um, on an international front. And I think that brands locally are really working to build that relationship. I often think of someone like Nando's, who has really built their voice as kind of a social, political friend or ally to their customers by touching on political events in the country. They've really committed to being that mouthpiece for us. And, you know, there's chicken at the end of it. But I really think that establishing that character has been really great. And even down to how they communicate on Twitter, it really is such an amazing mechanism to see brands really take on a persona, even on the social streets, so that they are part of the conversation. They're not too far from where their audience is. I really think they've been great at that. To echo on to brands that really resonate when it comes to purpose and, and the ones that also stay in their category and understand the strength of being in the category that they're in. And one that stands out to me is Pip. We've all known Pip to always serve their market so well in terms of everything that they do. But what I quite loved during lockdown was when they were doing um, their initiative around the lay-by buddy, where a lot of their customers would clearly not have enough to get school uniform, for example, um, for their kids, just given how everything has worked out with rolling lockdowns and you know losing people losing their jobs. And so the initiative with the, with the lay-by buddy meant that you and I could contribute um, to someone's lay-by something they did not expect. And just the delight at such a dark time. I, I don't know if that doesn't bring joy in, into your life, you know, um, but it, it really warmed everyone's hearts, even people who don't necessarily um, shop with Pip, really um, respect and love and, and just adore how the brand always makes sure that their people are always served and their people always brought joy. And I, I love that. Another one in that category is Capitech. I think Capitech, yes. you know, just came out of nowhere and just bowled it out in terms of, the conversations they have, the realness they take those, those conversations with and really committing from a purpose point of view to saying that we can help all have access to these wonderful things. You know, I think um, growing up, I always wanted a gold card and <laughs> as gold cards became black cards, I want a black card. Mm -hmm. And, and in, in Capitex language, they, they make sure that every single person feels they can access to those amazing things at a very affordable value. It means that we're all in some way equal. 
And so that equality kind of permeates not just through their products, but in how they have conversations. If you read their their content, it's so real. It's so obvious. You feel like you're talking to a friend. You're coming up with ideas with a friend and their audience resonates with that. I'd love to just, um, you know, when you mentioned that pride, I was thinking about even just the growth of Capitec. You know, they came in at a certain level for a certain consumer. And obviously we've grown with Capitec as the years have gone by and the brand itself has grown, but they haven't changed the way in which they speak to us. So it is a little glossier because people might be making a little bit more scratch, but it hasn't changed the manner in which, you know, they talk to us. And I feel as though they actually sparked a lot of the other banks to really change their relationship with us and speak to us equally about our own money, you know. And so a lot of innovation is coming in there. We've got some new banks coming in with really interesting and fun language. Um, so I really think that they did something quite remarkable there. So it's such a great example, Bird. So those are all really great examples. And I think when an audience can relate to a brand, you know, you're talking about personas, um, you're talking about their personalities on online, but I guess what the question is: How does that translate to brands and sense? How do we know that it's working? So yes, we all love it. Tick, tick, tick. Retweet, share, talk about it. Anecdotally, we mention, you know, I saw this ad, loved it. But you know, for a company investing in this kind of communication, because we know it's not an overnight thing. How does that translate to, to rands and cents? How do we know when messaging, when a campaign, when content is actually working for a brand? So I think, you know, it's interesting you bring up rands and cents because essentially we all have a job to do here. And I mean, when a client comes to us to create solutions, you know, we're given that big, ugly world called budget and, you know, time that they need to kind of deliver all these KPAs. So I understand that, the reality of our industry is really bolted down to the rands and cents and the time that we have to deliver this. But I think, you know, if you look at it in terms of the long haul and building an audience and a community, it really is an investment into yourself. And while, you know, you can have different strategies of how it is that you're making that money, there's something really valuable about this because someone might say, you know, if you're selling outdoor outdoor equipment, you know, why would you create a story around it instead of just being like, here is a product and you can buy it. But my thinking is that if you promote, let's say, outdoor activity and outdoor living and the richness of it and the lifestyle of it, that will direct people still back to your product because they need these accessories to make it happen. So it definitely needs a different lens in terms of how you think of rants and sense by building the story around it. But of course, it is something that would need a consistent effort and, and something that you, you work at for it to really, really make sense. But I think that if the work is done in terms of unpacking that purpose, the point of the purpose and the strategy really is thorough, you will really see that return on investment, you know, happen regardless. Brands like Nike um, really have that ability of sharing a sentiment, a political purpose, supporting people like Nick Copperfield. You know, they, they do that and they don't talk about sneakers and they see such incredible stats in terms of people going and buying it because they know that these people care about me. And so even if it's my last 
you know, hundred rand or, you know, I would rather spend it that way. So it is, it does need a different lens in terms of thinking how investment works or how our, like a return on, on investment works. But I do want to challenge brands to realize that this is an investment back into yourself and a community that will follow you in whatever direction you go, if done correctly. I love that, Knox, because it is, you know, community is such a, a great way of describing that, that customer loyalty. That is, that is priceless. That money can't buy. Pride, when Exco says to you, uh, show us the money, <laughs> what is your response? <laughs> I say to them, have you seen our community? Um, I really love that sentiment of community because we're only now starting to realize the true value of community and the longevity of relationship you have with a community and purpose can really bring you that when people believe in what you believe, they stay with you longer, they reference you to others and they come back. I really like measuring customer life, lifetime value. It's essentially um, the average rand or purchased plus the number of purchases that someone makes in a year and then plus the average number of years that they've been your customer. And what it does is it gives you an, a, an impression of how long you've had somebody with you. And the beauty about that is the more longevity you have of life with someone, with your customer, the more you can actually see the true value of increase and growth. People don't measure customer lifetime value and I would encourage them to do that. And it's important to remember that there's also the the value that people don't want to talk about, which I call, I call it invisible savings. Um, Zodwa and, and, and Knox, I call it invisible. I love it. I always talk to people, guys, mm-hmm. what are the invisible savings behind purpose? I, I think the first one for me is that alignment reduces time spent on things, time spent on figuring out, you know, what the, what the, what campaign are we in? What are we trying to say? Everybody in the team is aligned. Everybody knows what to do. Yeah. Do you know how much time you could save on that? I mean, um, it, it, it's, it's incredibly valuable, especially when we're under pressure to keep producing new content, keep going. The stories never end because the storytelling about purpose is just so powerful. It just continues. Um, the second invisible saving that I love is the ease of innovation. Um, it's no longer up to me as the leader of the team to then innovate. It's no longer up to the agency alone to innovate. Anybody can come up with um, incredible ideas. You know, I have one example. When I worked at SAB Miller a million years, years ago, our best idea um, came from the lady who served us tea daily. And we used to talk to her a lot. You know, and she used to hear what our, what we're trying to do with the brand and she used to hear what the purpose is. She gave us our campaign idea, which was an award winning idea, but she gave us the seeds to go look in that direction. We would have never looked in that direction. It was not part of our core business. Can you see how when someone understands the purpose and the direction, um, they don't need to even be part of the team. They would know exactly how to help you with new insights that you never even thought of. So those invisible savings are priceless and whether we want to acknowledge them or not, being part of a, a brand team that must almost create this world for consumers requires us to think of costs holistically, not just the output, so what we're looking for from a profit and loss perspective, but also the time we spend getting there and the ability to almost garner more energy around the, the momentum of our purpose, the movement itself. A lot of your new ideas will come from the community. Your, your audience will tell you um, wh- where you should go next, what you should do next. And I, I hope that big brands can learn from small brands how to build these communities. You know, we've got so many um, community brands around women, for example. You know, if I reference some of the things I was watching during Women's Month, my favorite conversations, and I had very few, 
um, were people like Agenda Women, you know, Future Females, um, Blue. Um, those were the, the communities that actually you can see it's led by just the belief in what they will do. Everyone else was just telling us stories about women that we already know, and it didn't resonate because they all waited till August to start telling us those stories. There's no authenticity there. Um, it feels opportunistic. It feels like a time-based content. And it, it's actually offending to me as a woman. And I'm sure many women echoed that sentiment. August was just not the month um, for brands not to show up authentically. So these calculations help bring it all together and pace yourself in terms of understanding how much growth in loyalty you're actually cultivating. And if, if you know, if, if the leaders at the top all want the numbers, there are calculations that can help you with that, that can help you um, create a space where you can start tracking how much you're gaining and also track those you are losing and find out why they're falling off. And maybe your content is not as clear as it can be. But purpose is a winner and there's so many savings and just things you can gain just from having a clear purpose across the board. Thank you, Pride. Uh, you've left us with a lot of food for thought there. I did want to pick up on something quite specific, which you mentioned about Women's Month. And I think it brings us to that all-important conversation about fake purpose-driven content. <laughs> um, mm. You know, clients are clients and customers are very savvy and they are extremely sensitive, especially now. So is there a way of pointing out maybe two or three uh, things to watch out for? I know there's, you know, way more than that, but just, you know, some, just some top line ideas on, on things to watch for the obvious pitfalls when you are creating content. When you're creating content, um, purpose content, I think the first place to make sure that you don't trip over your, your, your messaging and your brand is authenticity is in the proof points. Today, consumers can actually go and research every single thing that you, you speak on, that you post, that you tell. So they can go fact check you and it's quite a popular thing to do. When you're standing as a brand and you're proclaiming something, we, you know, people tend to go and fact check. But not just fact checking, people also emotion check. And emotion checking has to do with your full understanding of the topic and how it actually relates to the group or the community that you may be talking to, especially when it comes to conversations such as um, gender inclusivity or any diversity and inclusive conversations. That's where people actually motion check. And what that entails is that brands need to know that whilst you do stand for a certain topic, you need to be open to learning and continuously learning because it doesn't mean you'll always get it right. It means that when you don't get it right, you must be open enough as a brand to accept um, the, the correction and to actually move in a, in, a, in a way that says, you know, we are listening and we are hearing. But if you don't have the proof points as a brand to stand behind the message, maybe forego the message. That's also allowed. You know, just because it's Women's Month doesn't mean you must suddenly be a woman's, woman's messaging brand or woman-led brand. Um, women are not going to stop shopping with you. Um, just because you you don't necessarily carry this message the entire month. You you can say Happy Women's Day on Women's Day like you would on any other holiday, if that's your brand language. But as soon as the proof points are absent, people will check you for authenticity and for truth. And if the truth is not there, you'll do more damage than you would have had you not said anything. 
Yeah. I think there's a very easy kind of trick of like tick boxing, you know, so like, you know, the buzzwords at the moment. And so you quickly kind of scurry around to make sure that you're in check and, and you can see right through that, as you mentioned, Pride. But like, I think very often, like you're saying, it can do far more harm. And even just thinking now, you know, when, when it was Black Lives Matter and brands were just putting up blocks of black squares on their Instagram. And that real fact checking came through. I think that was a big showcase of how you can skip and you can either just say, look, we don't know what to do. Please help us. And I find that those engagements are far more beneficial for a brand, but you must be willing to be vulnerable in front of your audience. I enjoy that because, you know, I was thinking if this was a relationship, and it should be because you're a brand having a conversation with the community. We're, 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 we're dating here, right? Yeah. Or at least we're pre-dating, right? Right. So if we're in that space where you don't have an answer for something, but you're definitely interested in me, of course, you would then, you know, engage in the discussion. What is that about? I'm interested. You know, I'm not sure what to say here. In the same context, brands need to be that vulnerable. They need to understand that we're at that human level now where we actually can't having conversations at a human level and we enjoy brands who have conversations at a human level who can actually own up to the things they know, the things they don't know and the intentions they have. Um, I have a very good example. Gosh, the name has left me. Um, a retail brand in the UK started producing vegan shoes and they explained that in our whole store, we don't actually have a lot of sustainable things, but we realize that we can't overlook that our contribution to climate change is negative. And so we'd like to start with these shoes, but we don't actually know what we're doing. So they actually did a call to action to their audience to say, help us actually improve our scorecard when it comes to caring for the, for the climate. I respect that. And, and a lot of people love that because they understood that you are owning up to the challenge. You're owning up to the problem you're creating and you're saying we're going for it. And you've put in place key scorecards that say by this time next year when we're having this discussion we hope to have this many people on our team who can help us we hope to have made this traction and if we haven't you know check in with us which brings me to my next point brands have to start looking at these conversations as a measuring as a way of measuring their integrity what we used to have in the past is tv ads and they were fleeting they would flight and move on and people would say oh that was a great campaign and move on Social media is here to stay. And I can track back to what a brand said a year ago during Black Lives Matter to see what commitments they made. And if they haven't actually owned up to those commitments, I can come back and say, by the way. Sometimes people say, oh, no, brands will delete that. The Internet never forgets. We keep every <laughs> single post. <laughs> it comes up conveniently when we need it. But it's less about policing brands, but more about keeping your word as a brand. The same way you would promise me a beautiful product that's made of X, Y, and Z, you should be willing to promise me change in that area that you've committed to as a purpose. And so a really, um, a watch out for brands is to not make commitments they actually cannot keep because um, your consumer does remember. And if it, even if they don't say it on the first day or the first month or the first year, the residual change in terms of how many people fall off as your audience um, will happen over time. Gradually, you start losing your audience to other things and you never know why. Sometimes it's because you made promises that you couldn't keep. So you're saying that it's okay for a brand or a company to be vulnerable, to play open cards, to actually say, I don't know what I'm doing or we don't know what we're doing and we want your input. It's okay to be vulnerable with intention. We want to be on the right side of this conversation. We want to be on the right side of history. But 
we don't know what we're doing. So the intention must be before the vulnerability um, because then it says you really want to make a change. You know, if brands come out and just say, oh, I don't know what to do, <laughs> we would say, what do you want to do? <laughs> so the intention would be um, a valuable start and then to then say, you know, let's walk the journey together. And brands cannot also be lazy because we see brands as these epic organizations that can do great things. Sometimes I even see brands that are actually very small in size when you look at their equity and their, you know, their, their value. But to us, they can do anything. So they must also show up with their five steps that they're willing to take before even saying, you know, help us walk the journey. I think it's it's same going back to the relationship. It's a walking together. Be vulnerable, but show your intention first and then show your steps what you're willing to do. And then the rest will follow. Your community will follow you anywhere. Mm. I think just, you know, on that, I think it's also, as you've established that, is to feed back. You know, I think sometimes people can really like lean on this, you know, being vulnerable and being like, we need your help come through and kind of scoring points of excitement as you establish that intent to move in a purpose driven way, but do not feed back to the very people who gave you those insights, right? So I think if you're going to extend your arm out to your audience, it's about also checking in and feeding back and to be like, well, this is where we stood now. You know, we either falling short, we found a different avenue and that kind of buy-in that you get from your audience is really like honestly impossible to put a value to because they also then feel like they are part of this business and they feel like they are part of the brand and all that growth can start to happen in a way that's far bigger than just the product that you sell which can create so many avenues to do much more than what you initially came with as a brand you know it's it's accountability you know it's accountability and it is scary and it is daunting but what you get out of it is something that is much bigger than the rants and sins sometimes and, and can really create for innovative discussions and even, you know, new products or, or new sentiments that you didn't know you needed, but your people are in desperate need for. I love the word accountability as well, because some of the examples of brands that have gone out with really amazing messages um, haven't almost like vibrated internally. So also maybe as a brand, you know, do a check-in internally and see that your brand purpose resonates with your internal teams. You know, don't be the brand that says, you know, you don't you 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 are about climate change and then everything you produce sort of comes in plastic. Or the brand that says we stand for women and somewhere in your teams you have no women um, on your teams. So try and also not trip over the authenticity inside and outside because your brand value sits with the full community and the full community includes the people who work for your brand and in your brand teams um so make sure that your message is external and internal as well and that's the full accountability that brands can take if there's a decision maker listening right now what's the one thing you would like them to tell their team tomorrow over coffee you know if brand leaders are talking to their teams about purpose and adopting purpose I'd like the one thing to think about talking to your team about saying purpose is our most important lever for the future to connect with our audience. And we should use what we have as a start and not overwhelm ourselves um, with what we don't have yet. Let's be authentic. Yeah, I think, you know, what we do know is that today people want to sell 
more than just a car and people want to buy more than just a car, for instance. So it's important to, it's time to check in. I think it's time to check in. It's time to define the purpose and define the intent. And really, if, if there was a coffee tomorrow, it's just about where are we and what's our story? You know, I think those really like, reflective questions can really do a lot to start the journey and finding out what the purpose is and really checking in on where your team is and and where the intent of the work you do is. So really it's just, you know, what's our story? What's your story? What's your understanding of what we do? And from there, I really think we can build in terms of figuring out the direction in which you need to walk and the steps and plans you need to do to get there. But as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a very difficult and revealing journey that one would need to commit to, but the benefits and the investment that you make into your people will only benefit your business tenfold. Great. My, mine is, mine is a bit of a cheat because I'm going to take out the word tell and rather. <laughs> and get the decision maker to actually think and look at the teams that are creating that content. I think, you know, in a lot of South African newsrooms, media organizations, agencies, I think that representation, the diversity is not, it's just not there. And that's why we're getting the same kind of sometimes tone deaf content, messaging, etc. So I would say, look at, look at who's creating the content and, and fix that. So what I'd like to know is what would you like to see in terms of the conversations brands should be having in the next year, like actionable, actionable things? Mm. You know, whenever I think about South Africa, when I, when I think about our country, I always think our challenges are glaringly obvious. You know, we all know them. They're so immense. And so I never think, any organization, any brand has the luxury to just sell what they do. I, I don't think we have the luxury to just exist and, and make money anymore. I think, I think as a country, just seeing the challenges we have with youth, the challenges we have, you know, with, with inclusion, you know, what women are facing, politics, um, and whatever it is, as brands and as communicators, our job is to reshape culture. And if there was ever a call for something new we should be doing. We should be rebuilding the country from every every area that we touch. And brand custodians reshape culture. And if we took that on as a call, I think the purpose conversation would be easier because we don't have a luxury to just be anymore. We don't have a luxury to just be commercial. We, we have the responsibility to rebuild and, and almost reclaim the Africa we want. And we get to do that through brands and communication. We get to bring inspiration and, and, and really um, enlighten our audiences to new things they might not have thought of. We get to start initiatives that can actually truly rebuild. So for me, it's less only just about like your brand, your category, um, your growth anymore and your market share. It's now about even the place you exist and, and keeping it sustainable. You know, if if the country doesn't benefit from each brand's purpose, we won't have a country to be commercial in. So I hope that some way this per, this conversation inspires a brand leader to think of themselves as the re, the reshapers of culture and use it to actually rebuild and 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 maybe create new worlds that we never even thought of um, for the benefit of everybody. I love that the reshapers yeah. of culture. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I sincerely believe in, in what Pride is saying is because culture, it, you know, it's, it's the heartbeat of, of what it is that we do and the fabric of our society. But I think if it's the one thing I'd like to see more is just really like intent to listen, to listen to your audiences, to engage and not just receive data as we do and kind of slapdash it for quick solutions, but really listen in a way that's going to allow for the right solutions. I think often we can get so much data and even deliver a purposeful message in the wrong way because we've spoken poorly to our people. So it's really about listening to what, how we address each other, what it is that we need so that really you can get into the pulse of our being. And if, you know, from content creators to decision makers, from everyone at every facet to understand the importance of listening, um, I think we could really, really do a great job in, you know, shaping that culture as, as Pride mentioned. But it's a really exciting time, but it's also urgent. It's a truly urgent time to, to get on board. Great. I love that. I think we're all on the same page, actually. In terms of the conversations I want to see, I think it would be more along the lines of trusting, you know, the people who are in place in terms of, you know, your brand custodians, your publishers, you know, they know their audiences very well. Um, and I think brands and companies can lean a lot more on on those people who are put in those spaces to advise, to guide etc. Your product doesn't always have to be the hero. And I think if you're having those authentic conversations, that will come across beautifully. So so my, I would love to see more conversations that don't have the, the product being the, the leader, <laughs> the hero. But thank you very much, ladies. That was such an engaging conversation. Sorry, Pride, you had one more, one more thing to say? I think it's when Knox was talking and I realized She's right. And, and one of the things that maybe we didn't touch on is I'm not sure any brand can 100% say they know their customer anymore. A lot has shifted um, during this period. A lot of people have adopted new habits. I'm not sure any of us can say we, we've got enough research to say we know exactly what they're going to do, where they're going to go, how they're going to behave. But what we do have is a signal of what they care about. You know, and, and I think that's where purpose comes in. And, and Knox was just saying that now. And I think it's so important. It is urgent because actually... You may not know what your customer does now and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, but what you do have an idea of is what they're going to care about. And listening means that you actually have to listen to them, interpret it back to you in their new way, in their new world today. So listen, you know, and I love that, Knox. I'm going to take that. I've written that down. <laughs> listening is literally what we should all be doing just because we don't even know them anymore. But we have an idea. And when you have an idea, the best you can do is listen. Thank you. So an actual fact, that's, that's the one thing we would like a decision maker who's listening to take back to their team tomorrow over coffee. Listen. Thank you very much, ladies. You've been listening to the IAB SA podcast, Decoding Digital Content Marketing. Another solid gold production.